Ladies and gentlemen, it is 8pm Monday night. We are here at Voice FM in Barclay Square, Broadcast Central, and that means it is time for Fat and Ginger. My name is Tim Young, and across the desk from me, as always, is Luke Massey. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me here again. I guess we do the show together. Yeah, I don't have have a choice, do I? No. Um, but I am here only in body today, not so much in spirit. I've hurt my back camping on the weekend, and uh, you are going to have to lift the heavy load this week. You are the oldest 40-year-old in the country, I tell you. <laughs> uh, tonight's special guest is Abby Newman. Uh, we'll be talking to her about her amazing work in the field of uh, family violence prevention. Associate Professor Dave Bade will join us to get an update on stuff, and we'll cop some more stick in the mailbag segment. And that was Alice in Chains with Wood. That was from the singles soundtrack, early 90s. Uh, they were a pretty good band, Alice in Chains. Did you ever get into them? No. Good had conversation. F- <laughs> had a few hits. I had nothing else to go with there. No, no. I, look, I know exactly who they are, and I enjoyed the song, and it was a fine tune. I just not really big on them, that's all. No, fair enough. Well, I guess that's where the conversation ends, <laughs> isn't it? No, no, I'm giving uh, them nothing. Yeah, what, what, uh, what, what have you been up to, Tim? I haven't seen you for a little while. No, that's right. We haven't been crossing paths, have we? But uh, I'm going through, and I know you've gone through this probably uh, a few years back, but I'm going through my first experience with school teachers with my kids. So our, okay. our oldest has just started prep, and so there's been a lot of firsts. The youngest just started kinder, the oldest just started prep. And she's enjoying it, I imagine? Oh, loving it, loving it. And, she's and a, benefiting from the fact that you used to be a school teacher. I'm sure you'll be oh, there with all the homework needs at night. I, I can't help but remind you that I'm not a school teacher anymore for a very, very good reason. I was a terrible <laughs> teacher, so and I look at and I wasn't a primary school teacher anyway, so I shan't farm that out to Donna. She's excellent with it. Is she fitting in okay? Yeah, she loves it. Yeah, yeah, she's going great. And she comes home, she's a little adult now, though, of course. You know, she talks, you shouldn't be doing that, Tim. You said a naughty word, Tim. They grow up pretty quick, don't oh, they? Oh, straight away. Like, it's been a matter of weeks. It's incredible. But having been a teacher myself, when she came home on a first day and I said, Child A, what's your teacher's name? And do you know what she said back? She said, Tim, teacher's name is Kate. Not Mrs. Not Miss. Smith or whatever. Not Mrs. Not Mr. But Kate. Now, I've got a bit of a problem with that. What's your problem with that? Well, I think it erodes the respectful boundary between teacher and student. It's a bit like a doctor. Have you ever called a doctor Mr. or Mrs.? They uh, go crazy. Yeah, they I don't went like to it. seven years medical school. You call me by my official title. Well, it's funny because it's a technicality because you have to do a PhD technically to be a doctor. Right. But they haven't done a PhD. They're an honorary doctor. But no one wants to be referred to by their job. No, that's they? right. You yeah. don't walk up around going, excuse me, don't call me Mr. Young. Call me Firefighter Young. That's please. right. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> People are so disappointed when they find that out. Um, but so yeah, you don't like the, the first name thing? It's just too informal? No, too or? informal. So I just think that uh, you're setting yourself up for problems down the track. And it, it seems to be quite the thing. It happens all the time. What about your kids at school? Now that you've got high school kids. Yeah, we had an issue last year with a young fellow in year nine. He was calling the teacher by the first name. He was making all sorts of noises and sounds and, and yeah. just generally disrupting as much as he could. And that was the last time we had him for homeschooling. Have you waited all week to do that one? No. No, just thought of that then. Just right there and then. Just mate, for someone who's, That's what I provide, mate. For someone who's been, let's just say, on the piss for three days now. That's right, and a hurt back. You know how I hurt my back? 
Go on. I tried to carry a gazebo. Everyone said, hey, two people should carry that. It's very heavy. Down to the <laughs> lake from the car park. Listen, don't you tell me my business. I will carry this down. I hurt my back on the way down. I didn't tell anyone. Put it up through grimacing pain, just like trying not to let anyone know. The next day I thought, I can't do that again. My back's already stuffed. But I'll grab yeah. the esky. That'll be easier. It's on wheels. Ooh. I tried pulling it on wheels oh. through sand, Tim. No. It doesn't work. The wheels are useless. <laughs> and I imagine after that, you thought probably uh, self-medicated fairly heavily. I had to. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have any pain at all at hand. No, there's no so pharmacies you work there, with there, what you've got. That's right. But the other one, I remember years ago when I lived in Darwin, we had a foster kid and he went to a special school. And um, we went to the end of year interview with the teacher and she was a lovely person. I can't remember her name. But she said the line, and this line gets me as well from teachers, is, Oh no, I learned as much from him as he did from me. Yeah, they know that's crap, don't we? You you go, come on mate, that's not the case. You've got a uni degree, you've bought a house, you can drive a car. What did they teach you? That's right, what did they really teach you? Don't bullcrap me. (laughs) It's just a thing that they probably say to every parent and think, well that just makes me look like I care. I've connected with your child. That's right, and the other one too, when you were young, did you ever call friends parents by their first names? No, I think I had to work my way up to it. Once you knew him for a little while. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it was an age thing, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think when I was a kid, it was always Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. Absolutely. So-and-so. And then as you got a bit older and you hit yeah. probably that 17, 18 mark, then you graduated to first names. That's when you knew you'd arrived, Tim. That's when you come of age. Don't yes. worry about your 18 driving license and all that sort of stuff. No. It was when you could call your friends' parents by their first names. I had a friend in Brisbane when I was there as a young man. I would have been, I don't know, 19, 20, 21. And his name was Peter Lone, lovely bloke. And his dad was Mark Lone. And he used to ring the home phone. This is sort of pre-mobiles. And if you didn't get your phone etiquette right, he'd just hang up on you and you had to call back. Really? So you had to do the whole thing, go, oh, g'day, Mr. Lone, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Tim. Please may I speak to Peter? And that was what you had to do. If you just rang and said, yeah, there's Pete there. Nah, and you'd hang up. I'd seriously be thinking, how much do I like this Peter kid? Because <laughs> yes. I can't be bothered with this. <laughs> but it was great. And he had another big thing. He hated, you know, the nightclub stamps that you get on your wrists? Yeah. He hated those. If we Why? went, If we slept at his place, right? After, try, after being out all yeah, night? He'd go, yeah. The first he says, get those off your wrists. You're not being marked like animals. Really? Yeah, had a thing yeah, for it. So, yeah. lovely well, bloke, Just though. put your drugs down over there and get into the bathroom <laughs> and start wiping those stamps away. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Maybe he got knocked back one too many times when he was younger and they just wouldn't let him in and he said, that's it. If I'm not going in, no one's going in. Maybe. I don't know what Pete does now, so I haven't spoken to him in years. Maybe that's okay. why. But he's probably got his own mobile now. His dad's still sitting there going, remember that young kid coming around? That's right, Tim Young. Couldn't talk properly on the phone, stamps all over his wrist. (laughs) Now, do you want to have a song and then talk about your topic? What are we going to play? I don't know. Uh, What about a bit of ZZ Top? Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was ZZ Top with, uh, what's the song called again? Uh, Give Me All Your Loving. Now, you told me a little bit of ZZ Top trivia. It's a little vignette. So they all had beards, except for the one guy. I think he was the bassist. He didn't have a beard. Why didn't he have one? I don't know. I don't know why he didn't. He just didn't. But I think it was actually a plan because his last name was Beard. Okay. Whereas the other guy's last names were not Beard, but they had Beards. And he'd already been identified by Beard all his life and didn't want to uh, have that define him, Tim. Absolutely, perhaps. And they also had the car, like a hot rod car with the flames, a red with flames painted up the side. It was called the Dominator. The Dominator. Yep, yep. so Excellent. all our armies of fans that are listening today, there's yeah. a little vignette of information for you. Well, I assume there's a lot of people listening right now. Uh, well, did we get any replies to our competition during the week? I only had one. 
and that was from Associate Professor Dave Bade. Okay, yeah, so he's listening. He yeah. is listening. Uh, he said that, what would my dog say if they were interviewed? And they would say that, uh, oh, no, nah, we have to walk the fat boy again. Okay, so that's not bad. Yeah. So Does something. he get those records now? Or because yeah, well, he knows you. <laughs> that's true, he can't participate in the yeah, competition because yeah. he knows You just want to keep him, don't yeah, you? I do, yeah. The, the, what was it, the best of, uh, uh, best of country Bill. trucking or that's something? That's right, and the best of Bill Cosby. Best of Bill Cosby. And uh, my brother's actually been, he said he's been doing Christmas shopping for me, and he's found the very best of Cliff Richard. Oh. Yeah, allegedly. That'll fit in just nicely in between those. <laughs> now, yeah. over the weekend, uh, long weekend, obviously, uh, we're giving of ourselves to our listening public. We're here on a public holiday. Uh, you're away camping. Yeah, that's right, mate. It was a real big effort for me to get here tonight. I just did not feel like driving the air and 20 to come in. But ultimate professional that I am, Tim, I can't let you do the show on your own, so I am here. I appreciate now, the sacrifice, mate. <laughs> now, I want to talk about camping because I'm not an outdoors person, right? Really? You wouldn't have picked it, would you? Uh, we've got about four tools in our house, and they all belong to my young fella, Geordie. So he sets up the tent for me. We went to Halls Gap. Right, lovely, sorry. lovely spot. Beautiful lovely spot. Lovely spot, Tim. Beautiful spot. But I will say there was a few issues. Go on. Cockatoos at five in the morning. Yeah. Why do they do flyovers around above your tent at five in the morning, screeching yeah. as loud as they can? You don't see them for the rest of the day. I don't know where they go for a rest after that, but... No, they just sit around. Now, I'm guessing that you, because you were self-medicating because you've got bad back, that five in the morning probably wasn't your sharpest. And Well, three hours day. earlier, I was on fire. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> but by then, everything yeah. had started to leak out of my body. Yes. And uh, five in the morning, they start. Fun had been replaced by pain. Yep. And once you wake up, what's the next thing you have to do? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Unzip. Yeah. Out you go. Yep. So uh, that was the first thing, the cockies, right? We stayed on an unpowered site. Yeah. Did you really did go sort of all out, didn't you? Really? We, we had to because we had a dog. We had to stay in unpowered, right? Yep. No phone reception. Yeah. Nothing to plug anything into. Yeah. How long do you reckon it took my kids to say, I'm bored? Oh, five minutes. Oh, less. Yeah, 30 they, seconds. They, they bowled about four balls of cricket and yeah. said, I'm bored. What are we going to do for the next three days? Do you get them to like, dig a hole or something? Uh, so what did they do? Oh, I don't know. I just sort of started blocking them out. Yeah, <laughs> Again, self-medicated. Yeah, didn't move too far from the esky and the fire. <laughs> but look, Hall's Gap, lovely place, but they do have very limited options when it comes to takeaway food. Go on. And there was one night there where we weren't cooking because we just weren't in a position to. And the local pizza place. Yeah. Probably expensive pizzas. Yeah. Truffles, Tim. Hey? Truffles on, on pizza. pizza. Yes. How they had about it? five different flavours and one of them was truffles. How much was a truffle pizza? Oh, I didn't ask, mate. I hung up after that. My kids aren't eating truffle pizza. Holy, it was a Michelin star pizza place. <laughs> yes. I think they thought they were. Holy But man. he knew about halfway through reading those out that I wasn't interested anymore. <laughs> no Hawaiians, no margaritas. No, we've got truffles. We've got... Uh, smoked salmon cooked yeah. in a jus reduction and All yeah, smoked with hickory. Yeah. Yeah, nah, oh, no, mate, yeah. we're not going to connect. No. We're not meant for each other. So the other thing about camping... Beautiful weather, mm. fantastic weather. Look at me, I'm sunburned all over. You are, yep. Why does it always rain in the last night, Tim? So that's to make sure that you have the maximum inconvenience and exactly. when you get home, you have to dry everything back out again. And that's what you want to do, isn't it? After a two and a half hour drive home, yep. hung over, yep. shitty, yep. sore back, yep. kids fighting in the back seat. Yep. Yep. You know what? I wouldn't mind hanging the tents out when that's we get right. home. Or putting them back up in the backyard so they dry out and all it's still raining. That. I reckon the last four or five times we went, it started raining just as we were about to leave, basically. So why are you in the process of packing up? No, I'm talking the night before. So yeah, about four so, or five yeah. in the morning. So everything's properly wet. So everything's soaked. We've got Jeez. water just pouring in through every little gap we can. And all I think is, well, that's it. I don't know what I'm going to be doing when I get home. <laughs> 
<laughs> just takes the shine off, doesn't it? Absolutely takes the shine off. <laughs> now, that's positive feedback. How about we have some uh, negative feedback? No, nothing negative happened. Everything was fine. Like, apart from you ruining your back. <laughs> no, nah, the back thing was a bit silly. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Uh, did, did you do the full Leo Wanker? Stand back, stand back. Yeah, got yeah, I made a big deal yeah, of it. Yeah. Like, don't tell me that I need a second person to carry this. Yeah, no. I, I know what I'm capable of. Get out of my way. Did you do the full thing? Oh, I made a big show of it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, and then yeah. you hurt your back. And then hurt me back, yeah. Should we have the mailbag? Yeah, I reckon we should go to it. All right. Feel like abusing someone? Now's your chance. It's Fat and Ginger's Mailbag. Okay, we've got a few messages on Facebook. I don't know what this one means. I don't know what they're trying to do with it. I'm no. just going to read it how who's, it is. Who's it from? It doesn't even have a name. So they're not willing to stand by. They're not opinions. willing to stand by, and, and you'll see why. Cowardice. This is what they've written. Yep. Gingers are one of the few minorities that you can vilify these days. You bloody rangers. Well, I'll tell you what, I challenge him to come here and say that. Yeah, to her face? That's right. Even you with a bad back. I'll right. fire up you. You'll do the flying possum and you'll... <laughs> he will wish he'd never crossed a ginger in his life. And look, as long as the altercation doesn't go more than about 30 seconds. Yeah, because then I'll need a little lie down. <laughs> That's right, we'll tuck it out. Now, I've got one here from uh, Karen uh, in Denmark. Remember oh, Karen in Denmark? Yes, I remember her, So yes. there's a message on Facebook, and she said that she's uh, forwarding our podcast on the other expats in Denmark to remind them of why they left Australia. Why, why they live there and not here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So thank you, Karen. And this one here is from... Uh, Deirdre, not our Deirdre, I don't think. Deirdre don't think so. in Bunningham. Couldn't be our Deirdre. No, Deirdre lives in uh, in the city centre in a flat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have either of you ever had sex before? Uh, how about with someone else? Ha, 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 from Deirdre in Bunningham. Look, I'll I tell you what, you know, no, is the answer, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping to one day, Tim. And do you want to read out the last one? Yes, first? now this is another, this is the sort of crap that we're getting at the yeah, moment, that's right? right. Dear Fat and Ginger, have you heard of COVID-19? What's all that about? And who's that from? Uh, again, I've got no name here. So they're not, they're not they, they might be sending their name in and you just haven't put on the sheet. So. Oh, hey, geez, you're throwing me under the bus quick there, do you? Well, well, you do the Facebook stuff, not me. <laughs> That's true. So uh, what's all that about, COVID-19? Um, we, we could give you a quick crash course, couldn't we? Actually, it's about one year ago today, isn't it? Is it? Well, so I remember, because today's International Women's Day, this time last year was the Women's T20 World Cup final at the MCG in front of 90,000 people. And that was the last big thing we really had. Before we went into lockdown. Before we went into lockdown, because I think the following weekend or the weekend after was the Grand Prix. And that was the first thing that got canned. Right. Remember that? That was yeah, the first big yeah. thing that got canned. A while ago now. So International Women's Day, that's a big day on the calendar now, isn't it? Absolutely it is. And we'll be talking to Abby Newman about her amazing work later on. But look, oh, I'm looking at the run sheet here. And yes, listeners, we oh, do have a run sheet. I'm a little bit excited. Look, sorry, quickly before we go on, though. I think that's just an indication of the listeners we're attracting at the moment. This person doesn't know about COVID-19. Mm. So I think we need to aim a bit higher. So how's he listening to us? He's obviously not getting any information. Has he been locked in a basement somewhere? Living or, under a rock for yeah, a long time. And they let him out for two hours a week uh, to listen to Fat and Ginger on a, on a Monday night. Imagine that. What a punishment. That's a punishment within a punishment. It isn't is, it? isn't it? And now, Tim. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, sorry. As I was saying. The running the, sheet says. Skit dash mystery. mystery. Now, this is because, Tim, as we know, we, yeah. we evened up one all last week, didn't we? Oh, we did. And we in did. style, too. It, it was good. Did I you liked enjoy it? it? Yeah, I did. I, you should have seen the kids when I got home. They 
they just scattered like flies, mate. They just yeah. flew off into the ether. Yeah, they good. didn't want to be around me. No. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate when I get done properly. All right. I can cop that on the chin. I can say, well done. Yep. I'm right. not that sort of bloke that takes it to heart. I just get even, Tim. All right, well, let's have it. So what I've done. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. <laughs> I genuinely don't know what's coming. No, here. you don't. I think if you did, you probably wouldn't let me play it. But as you don't, you'll probably at least let me get through the first, <laughs> the first one, one. And then I reckon a song will cut in about halfway through. So I have managed to interview some of Tim's work colleagues oh, really? throughout the week. Right Now, as we know, Tim works, can we say in a refinery? Yeah, why well, I've already said it, yeah, so said we, it, yeah. we can say it. Tim works in an oil refinery, as, as I do, uh, in Geelong. Mm. He is a firefighter. He's an emergency response there. If something goes wrong, he's the guy we call. It's worrying, isn't it? And let's see what some of his colleagues had to say about him. Here's the first one. Okay, thanks for joining me now. I won't say your name because I don't want any retribution to come back to you. What can you tell us about working with Tim here at he still works here. I didn't think he was here that often enough to actually be called an employee. Is there any reason to have him here at the... Oh, he makes the rest of us look good. So there's a reason to keep him? Yeah, that's about all I've got. Yeah, and does he do a lot, Tim, here? A lot of eating. Do you think that if he was to be removed from his position tomorrow, do you think it would be a loss for the refinery? I'm sure that he does some things behind the scenes that none of us see that really lift the refinery spirits, but uh, I'm yet to see that personally. Yep, fair enough. Thanks for your time, Nick. Well, there we go. There's a little insight into Tim Young and his work ethic. Can I just say, Captain Anonymity, that you go at the start, <laughs> you say, oh, I won't use your name to protect you, and then you use Nick's name at the end. I figured that I might as well throw him under the bus too. <laughs> when retribution does come, it will be swift and just. Look, all I can say about that is I'm surprised that Nick had the time to do that mini interview because he's so hugely busy every yes, day at work. Yes, he is. Now, he had a lot of time to do that interview. In fact, that was four or five takes. He was ready to go for hours and hours. And then you break for a drink in the middle and had a snack. That's and, yeah. right. Next thing you know, it's knockoff time. <laughs> That's it. So but that was a nice little, little an indication. Now, I know the guys are uh, probably friends of yours and they might be stirring a little bit, but I always think where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, absolutely right. And yeah. uh, I think as we listen to more of these. Oh, hang on. What do you mean more? Well, there's going to be a few more throughout hey, the show. Yes, it says there's four parts to it. Yes, there is. Jeez. We want to do an in-depth study here, Tim. We're not interested in just scratching the surface. We no. want to know exactly what it is you do when you're out there every day. <laughs> so we'll be hearing from a few more colleagues later. This is bullshit. Play a song. <laughs> well, sometimes I go out buzzing to climb over Bit of Amy Winehouse there with Valerie live at the BBC Radio Lounge in 2017. There's a little bit of info there for you. You gave me some ZZ Top stuff before. I'm giving you a little bit of Winehouse. Yeah, I'm a bit distracted, so I'm a bit distracted by the next three mystery skits I've got. Well, you're a little bit worried about that, are you? Well, a little bit. Look, I've written down Nick's name, so I can't see Nick. (laughs) Why have you drawn a big target around him? No, 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 no. I can take feedback as well as anyone else. Constructive feedback too. He said you're useless. So (laughs) what else do you need to know? That's all good. Uh, have we got a jingle to play? We do, mate. We've got our little uh, whinging segment of the week, don't we? <laughs> right, let's hear it. Let's go. Don't believe the hype. That's actually crap. 
Okay, coming up for that crap. Now, Tim, you've got a little controversial one here that you want to talk about. This is going to throw a lot of listeners offside. We've got three listeners and two of them watch your show. <laughs> so, Everyone's watching maths. No one's watching. <laughs> they they no, are, aren't they? No Nobody cares this. about us, but that's all right. So I'm going to say whatever I like. And all right. Here go we go. It. So what I think, everyone back in the 90s thought that this was the TV show and it was worshipped as being the absolute pinnacle of American comedy. It was on multiple times a week in Australia. It was an industry, wasn't it? It was an industry it was in massive. itself. And in my opinion, it was shit. Okay, what is it? Friends. Friends. Ooh, listen to that controversy. Everyone out there right now is throwing their radios against the wall. Well, <laughs> how could you say that about Ross and Jennifer Aniston? Keep going. Yeah, and? And um, was there a Lucas or something? No, I don't know. So I didn't watch it, mate. It was the most middle of the road. We got it. Oh no, I thought it was in here for a minute. Yeah. Most middle of the road. <laughs> we just stop what we're doing. Look yeah, out the window. Yeah, no, no one's listening anyway. Doesn't okay, matter. Cool. It was boring. It was boring. It was boring. It was very safe. Didn't find it witty, charming. You, you felt like you were sharing the lives of these six New Yorkers. Are they New Yorkers? I don't Hang know. on. They lived in the middle of New York, right? Yeah. They all went from bum job to bum job, and they always seemed to have money. Jennifer mean? Aniston worked in a coffee shop, yet was able to afford a central apartment in New York. How's that? But didn't they share? Did they share? I think they did. I think they shared. That's why they shared. Why are you sticking up for friends? I'm not sticking up. I've you got are. to play devil's advocate, don't I? No. I never watched the show. Hey? I, I thought it was crap too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got to stick up for the listeners, mate. They might be sitting there just hating they, this. They were, they were all too happy for people who were going... Oh, Joey Tribbiani, right? Right. Who was always very, very happy, yet he was always an out-of-work actor. He would be stressing from day to day. He'd be doing interviews down at Centrelink or the American equivalent. <laughs> Or stuff like that. Life would be grim for him. How did he make his money then? Well, exactly right. How did he make his money? Was he like scunging on the couch? Because we've all got a mate like that, oh, haven't we, that just mate. doesn't pay their we, way and yeah. you can never get rid of him. We certainly do. So look, basically, I just didn't like it. I thought it was crap. That's and fair it, enough. And then after Friends came, what's the one with the scientists? Uh, uh, oh, Big Bang Theory. Mate, that was on about seven times a week at yes. one stage. Yeah, there was a channel two just a, devoted yeah, to it. And Two and a Half Men. We just keep getting crap American show after crap American yeah, show. Yeah. I, I never got into Big Bang Theory. My kids loved it. Yep. And they thought it was very, very clever and witty, but, but they're not very clever and witty. No, that's right. And that's, yeah. what I mean. that's about the level it is. Yeah, I and, that. Yeah. yeah. And if you yeah. had a 12 or 13-year-old watching Friends, they'd probably go, this is really cool. Yeah, give me Seinfeld not... every time. Absolutely. Mate. Same so... era. It was just chalk and cheese. That's it? right. Now, you want to talk about uh, something you eat? Yes, I do. Now, I did uh, narrow the field down for this. Originally, I had a few other things to go along with it, but I'm going to say crayfish. Is that controversial? Go on. Okay, this is my thought process. Very expensive to buy. Mm. Very difficult to get to, mm. right? You've got to peel back a lot of shells and claws and all sorts of things. And then you finally put all that work in at the dinner table, mind you. This isn't being prepared in the kitchen somewhere. You're doing it in front of everyone. They give you a little bowl of water that I thought was to drink. No, it turns out it's to wash your hands in. Well, it's got a bit of lemon in it, hasn't it? A little bit of lemon. So yeah, you think so it's to drink? It, it smelled all right. I gave it a go. I'm, I'm never taking you out for dinner. <laughs> it wasn't as good after people washed their hands in it. But uh, crayfish, you finally get to the meat, and it's not that great. There's no taste sensation that's worth all that effort. No. And it, you have to put sauce on it or a bit of lemon or... The big one is Thermidor, I think it's called, where yeah. you have the melted butter. Basically, it's just it's crayfish just, or lobster like swimming. So just have the butter. That's right. Yeah, it costs the, you about $30 a kilo less. <laughs> that's... Yeah, well, most of the time it hasn't got sauce on it. You have to put it on. You have to dip it in, yeah, because yeah. it comes out in half a shell or it comes out even a whole crayfish. And then you pick it out of the fish tank too at the yeah. restaurant. I've seen people spend about 20 minutes trying to get to a leg and like a bit of spaghetti comes out there's nothing in it no. and they're happy with that crustaceans that you can eat are prawns 
I honestly feel the same way about prawns. Too much work. A on. Unless they're already prepped for me, then I can bring myself to that level. Spectacularly lazy, aren't you? Very much so. I want to do as little as possible with as much benefit. What about a scallop? I've never had to peel one. Oyster? Yeah, again, probably I I wouldn't go out of my way. This is why I had seafood written down. I narrowed it because I thought people would What about Okay, what about a big bowl of seafood extender with cocktail sauce on top? Now we're talking. See? I'm I'm in for that. But as long as it's already prepared. I don't have to do anything. I can't talk to you about food. Why? Because you're, I'm up here with food and you're down there because I've eaten more of it. Right? <laughs> I love fine food and you love bowls of seafood extender with cocktail sauce on. Yeah, I'll be happy with that. Crayfish, is that, is that fair enough? Is that no, going to stay it is fair in? enough. It is fair enough because the melted butter, it, the sauce is what makes a crayfish. Mm. And it comes out and it's spectacular in its shell and it's red with all the pointy oh, stuff. Oh, it looks leaf. great. looks great. And then you get down to it and there's about, yeah. You know, there's nothing There's in nothing there. in it. It wouldn't be a meal. So let's have a song. Okay. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping. That was uh, Cake with The Distance and uh, our competition this week. Oop. Oh, sorry, I'm still playing something, aren't I? That's all right, that's all right. We're yeah. professionals here. Technical we? difficulty. I would ask all the listeners to just not hear that. <laughs> Disregard. Uh, unhear it. It's we like... haven't got the seven-second delay, have we? No delay. No what delay. we say is going out. So if we swear right now, the yeah. listeners are going to hear it. If we say bottom. Should we test and see if we've got any oh, by got... saying something that's that awful and disgusting that they have to ring up and complain? <laughs> They're compelled to? Please don't. No? <laughs> I'm trying to get good attention, not bad attention. I heard a joke the other day. No. no that's right. I'll leave um, it. So... <laughs> We got a competition this week, so last week's competition was what would your dogs say if we interviewed them? Mm-hmm. And uh, We did have a response. We did have end. one response from uh, Dave Bader who said that my dogs would say, every time we go for a walk, I don't know, we have to walk the fat bloke again. Yeah, and so, he won two fantastic albums. <laughs> he won the best of country trucking. That he can't play because no one's had a record player since 1948. No, they're making a comeback. They are not. They are too. Are they? There's a whole group of people out there that, yeah, yeah analogue sound waves, mate, completely different wow. from digital sound waves. I've still got a DVD collection. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, you have too. Yes. It's impressive. I can't throw it away now. No. So anyway, so that was that competition. This week we've got uh, crazy things you'd do if you win lotto. Okay. Luke? Well, I actually did ask my kids. We had a bit of tea before I come down. I said to them, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. This might be that thing where we find yeah, out we've got listeners. Yeah, yeah? let's go. Yeah. I asked my son, right, what would you do if you won Tats lotto? So you're talking to him then? Oh, yeah, just started rekindling <laughs> that relationship after last week. Yeah. Now, he said, now this is his quote, mm. 14-year-old boy, I'd have heaps of sex with celebrities. Wow. Mm. Wow. Said, is, how much do you think you're winning here, mate? Like, he is of that age, I suppose, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's what he thinks about. What else he got? Uh, I asked my daughter, she wanted gold Lego pieces. Yeah, I like that. Myself, yeah. if I won Tatsoto, what would be the dream thing I'd do? Yep. I would put the ablets on my payroll, Gary Senior, Gary Junior, and put him out to stud. So in 20 years' time, we'd have a team of ablets. Mm. Is that possible? You've got an illness. <laughs> uh, what I'd do is I'd pay people to do ridiculous things. So I'd pay someone to measure the distance from Geelong to Ballarat with a sausage. So how many sausage lengths is it from Geelong to Ballarat? And then How much would you be paying for that? Well, how, what, what do you reckon well, it would cost you? I don't know. Two grand a day, whatever. Doesn't matter, you've won like $30 million, who cares? I'd do that. Yeah. That'd be good work, I reckon. And yeah. I didn't want someone who would go, okay, so one sausage is this long, and then divide, you know, nah, 85 nah, you've got to do you, it. You've got to do it, so you've yeah. got to prove that you're doing it every day. Yep. Well, I don't know, send me footage or something like that. And yeah. if you don't do it, you don't get the money. There you go. 
could you use the same sausage over and over or do you have to keep no, you'd buying to, sausages? You'd have to one of those packets from the supermarket. <laughs> and probably better if you used it while it was frozen because then yeah, you can sort of click it. It's got the link. Yeah. You stretch it, it out like a chain. No. Oh, that's dangerous. Is that cheating? That's almost cheating. Yeah. It's going to be one sausage. But I it'll really be... hope you win the lotto now. <laughs> that's pretty good. I want to apply for that job. How, how good would it be on Facebook? You know, daily update, Luke Massey measures the distance. Yeah, Luke Massey's just outside bunny on with his sausage. I'd probably get about halfway, get hungry, eat the sausage and have to start again. It'd be like the Sydney Harbour Bridge. <laughs> That's right, and if you do lose the snag, you've got to go back to the start. Now, what have we got coming up, Tim? We're going to talk to Dave Bates, so let's have the jingle. And now, it's time for an update on stuff. All right, so every week we talk to our team of experts on stuff. This week we're very fortunate to have, uh, via the miracle of mobile phone, Associate Professor Dave Bade. Good evening, Dave. Uh, good evening, Yangi. How are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. Big shout out to uh, all your female listeners out there, International uh, Day of the Woman. Yes, International Women's Day, that's right. We've got twice as many female listeners as what we've got we male do. listeners, so that's a big, big audience for us, <laughs> that's right. our female listeners. You're going to be doing the drive show in no time. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Dave? And we're hoping to get you talking about some really important topics again today, That's like right. we did a couple of weeks ago, mate. That's right, when we touched on uh, Dixie Drumstick Biscuits and... Maxi Bonds. Maxi Bonds and Eskimo Pies. So this week, though, uh, when I was talking to Lockie last week, we spoke about your form in your now famous uh, bone-coloured suede jacket. Mate, I heard, I heard. I I was (laughs) one of your two listeners last week. Yeah, you were. there were some pretty salacious rumours going on about my my socialising back in the days there. But uh, that that bone jacket was... A mainstay, whether it was 30 degrees or whether it was 12 degrees. Well, it was, and it was in subtropical Brisbane, so it was an awesome effort on your part to be wearing that regularly. And I also brought up the multiple times you wore glasses that were just frames, sort of Austin Power-esque glasses frames. Yeah, some say Austin Power, some say Clark Kent. I'm not <laughs> sure uh, which you're going to choose there, but uh, look, it was just a, it was an outfit. I think the the jacket just takes you back to sort of primordial sort of nature just trying to look bigger and be bigger. <laughs> Do you still have the jacket? Mate, I don't. I don't. It unfortunately suffered a fatal rip one night, um, and I'm not sure of the exact details of that, but I took it to the local dry cleaner, and uh, they said it was, it was irreparable. So it was, right. it, was, it was a devastating day. I remember one particular instance, which I'll share with you and the listeners, was when I worked at the Regatta, which was a very popular pub in uh, Western Brisbane, and we would have had this night at least two or 3,000 people through the door. It was flat out, like properly busy. And one D. Bade was standing there in his cream slash bone slash ivory, whatever colour suede mm. jacket with his glasses frames on, spitting ice at me as I was trying to work. And he did this not just for a little bit, he did this for about half an hour. I think that's the sort of fortitude that got him his doctor's degree. <laughs> that's just yeah. applying himself no, like I, that. I don't think there are any witnesses to such an event, Tim. But uh, there's about four hundred of them. It is very hard to get your attention sometimes. <laughs> get my attention. The uh, but that's what I remember. So the suede jacket. Now, do you, you say you don't remember the circumstances of the fatal tear in the suede jacket? Now, no. you were one for the worm and for other sorts of bra- <laughs> the break dancing yes. moves. What, what did you yeah, replace no. it with? Once it went, did you have a, a backup jacket that became front and centre? No, I didn't. I just had old sloppy joes after that and rugby jerseys. <laughs> you just gave up. Apart. Go, that was my um, chance to be suave and sophisticated. <laughs> but I now have. I've now invested in a beautiful leather jacket from uh, a Melbourne supply down there. So that's my now go-to. And it's indestructible, that jacket. Indestructible. 
So you go out in subtropical Brisbane and wear a leather jacket? I do, I do. And do you have a thin sheen of sweat on your face when you're walking around as a 43-year-old? It's surprisingly absorbent. It, it, I was going to say, it would just slip off, wouldn't it, after a while? Yes, but whenever I do wear it, young Ian, whenever you're with me, you do end up wearing that jacket for most of the night for some reason. Have I worn that jacket, have I? You have, you have. There, there's po- I love it. There's possibly times where there's been a scene or two missing from our nights together. <laughs> just a couple, just a couple. Now, what's new in the world of medicine, Dave? Uh, oh, look, mate, it's all, it's all about... Um, you know, vaccines and which tier you are at the moment. So I don't even know mine. So that tells you how good we're going. Being an orthopaedic surgeon, you'd be up there, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. I deal with mostly kids, though, and they don't get affected so much. So, you know, um, I'll, I'll just wait for my uh, text message that'll tell me to be somewhere in two hours or miss out. Well, we've, we've heard a little bit about your professional career here, Dave. Would you like to hear some about Tim's? No, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. What, what, what can you tell me? So um, I don't know if you heard earlier, well, obviously not because you're not listening from Ballarat, but last week Tim interviewed my kids and, and it was quite clever, very funny, very funny man. I think that he was leading the witness a little bit, but that's all right. So what I've done, Dave, is I've been into work during the week where Tim occupies the fire station on a daily basis and oh, I've dear. interviewed some of his colleagues to find out what he actually does out there. Right, oh, so come we played on the first one before. He did paint the nicest picture of what you get up to, did he? The first one, Nick. Old Nick. Yeah, but let's have a listen to this one. Come on. So, mate, uh, you've been training with Tim uh, for the last couple of weeks. How's that going? I'm feeling a little bit abused. I think he thinks I'm his servant. So what are we going to go do next? And it's, well, I think next you can go make me a cup of tea and uh, none of that Anderson's quality tea. How about a nice twinings? And uh, don't forget the sugar this time. And uh, So if you don't have the right tea, he sends you out to get more? Oh, correct. No, no, he just refuses to drink it and pours it out and says, go do better. What are you training on, tea making? No, firefighting. Yeah. Sorry, I'm confused. What has firefighting got to do with making tea? I think he thinks it's sort of how calm you are in the pressure and, uh, you know, if you can make a good cup of tea, you can probably operate a fire truck in an emergency situation. Or do you think he might be just using you? He might be that. It might be an excuse to get me out of the office. I'm not quite sure. But Is he doing any work? Yes, he's drinking cups of tea. So really, he does nothing over the course of a day? Oh, I don't think we can get by without him because who's going to drink all the tea? That's a good point. So there we go. And another witness saying that you do stuff all. Well, I've got to say that the other day, Tim had the cup of tea ready for me in the morning at 7.19 as opposed to 7.15 when it's required. I heard about this. I heard about this. So, and you gave him a baking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the next day, though, he made up for it by having Fruit Loops ready and a cup of tea. So Jeez, he, you know how to work it absolutely, out. Absolutely. That's right. So this is someone that's relying on you to teach them and then assess them. Absolutely right. And you are taking full advantage of that fact by basically using them as slave labour. Yep, pretty much. And you have no qualms about that. I've got to say, it's it's, it's an absolute cavalcade of workaholics you've had on so far. (laughs) (laughs) Turning shit on me just quietly. Yeah, I think it's a pot in the kettle, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, think, Dave? Do you think that that's a fair indication of what you know of Tim, of what he would be like at work? It sounds like he does just as much work as he did when he was both working behind a bar and teaching students. Look, I've got to say, there's a good reason that I do neither of those things anymore. I think I gave, <laughs> gave away more free alcohol than any bartender in the history of the world, and I taught every student zero things in every class I ever taught. So, all right, let's wrap it up, Dave. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks very much. Thanks, and, Dave. Uh, Sounds good. Bye. Now, we have got a very special guest coming up. We'll play a song. Yep. And then we've got the lovely, the wonderful, the very talented Abby Newman we to have. join us. Fantastic.
Hatton Ginger, where I'm being uh, roundly ambushed again. Again. See, this is the fun part for me. Again. This, this is, is why I drove here tonight. I was actually thinking, do I need to go? I'm pretty hungover. It's been a big weekend. But no, I wanted to see your face when you heard a few of these interviews. And mm. So far, you haven't let me down. No, it's good. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. great stuff. Great radio. <laughs> if you're out there in Radio Land and you've got an opinion about pretty much anything... Yes. In fact, I'm almost willing to put out my offer that I'll run naked down Barclay Street if anyone... We're going to do that again. Well, let me think about it for a bit. Mate, it's, we've got to get publicity for the show somehow. I think it's a great idea. I, I did last Maybe we can paint like some wording on your back, like a big that's moving a of, billboard. That's a lot of effort. Yeah, it is too. <laughs> it's a lot of effort. Because no one's going to call in. No one's going to message the page, so we're going to be all right. So what do they have to do? Talk them through it. Our listeners aren't the brightest. Okay. So what they need to do is get onto Facebook, which is an app you'll find on either your Android or your iPhone. See how simple I'm keeping it? Yeah. And then you have to like our page and then send us a message about anything to Fat and Ginger. Okay. That's it. That's it. It's pretty simple. And and Tim will get nude. Hang on. I haven't said I'll definitely do it yet. I'll tell you what. Okay, here we go. If there are five or more messages... Oh, we're gonna get, run, we couldn't even get one last week. We're not going to get five. I'll run naked down There must be an street. easier way to get you naked. No, there's not. Okay. Anyway. Enough. Abby doesn't want to hear all this, does <laughs> that's, she? That's true. No, she didn't come in for no, this. No, she's a professional. <laughs> so, look, we've got a wonderful special guest today, Abby Newman, who works in the field of family violence prevention and uh, is a bit of a guru in that field, a bit of an expert, and we're very, very lucky to have been able to get her. She's got a very busy diary. And, and a she, great day to get her on. Absolutely. International Women's Day. So she's been able to, and this is one of my least favourite sayings in the world, she's been able to triage her diary <laughs> and get in here this, uh, this <laughs> evening. So good evening, Abby. Good evening. And the corporate deep dive language. I love a triage of di- I diary. Know. I know. How bad is it, Tris? Oh, so great. Moving. how classy we are. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Moving forward. You know, it's a whole Just shuffle thing. the calendar. That's oh, what I do for you guys to show up on International <laughs> Women's Day. Well, obviously, this will be a big step for you coming on such a high-profile show. It know. really is a career highlight, I find. I <laughs> um, was really excited to talk to both Fat and Ginger. Yes. And then surprised to find out you're both Ginger. So what And, and both Fat. Yeah. So we, uh, I think the title is apt. Yeah. That's right. Now, look, I'll be honest, I'm unclear about exactly what you do, and I think you were saying off air before that you do a a multitude of things. Do you work with victims or perpetrators, or can you give the listeners a bit of an indication about what you do? I sure can. So I'm an accredited family violence social worker, and I work in both victim and perpetrator spaces. So it's it's a bit of a brain flip going from one to the other. I can only imagine. Is is that unusual, Abby, to do both sides of it? Yeah. So, and I think there's getting more crossover now, now that there's more demand for working with perpetrators of family violence. And I'll switch, I'll switch my language a little bit because often we talk about perpetrators of family violence in the family violence sector, but to actually reach out to people that are struggling with using violence in their relationship, what we say is people using violence in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So I'll switch, I'll switch to using that. And then, you know, during the course of this show, if there are people struggling with the way their relationship's going and they're using behavior that they're not proud of, I'm definitely happy to leave a couple of contact details so that people can make some calls. What a fantastic idea. And when you say there that that people are struggling with the way they act, you, you must have a lot of people coming in who want to report themselves. Is that unusual? Yeah, well, so our industry call line is the men's referral service. And during COVID, we saw a huge spike of calls into the men's referral service because they were locked down and starting to go, my relationship's not going so well. I'm not proud of 
the husband or the dad that I'm being and I want to make some changes and I need to find somewhere for some help. Um, and I will use gendered language because what we know about family violence is predominantly it is men that are it's committing. Yeah, um, there are male victims of family violence. However, their perpetrators are usually male as well. So oh, that's okay. why I kind of okay. keep that yep. language there, not ignoring the, the male victims. So I work in both spaces. I work with men um, running groups for, uh, we call it men's behaviour change. And there a lot of those guys, some of their voluntarily, some of their via court orders, but they're there kind of going, I know that I've got here and this isn't where I want to be, so I want to make some changes. Can you help? Um, so that's a really big change journey Absolutely. for guys to be on. Yep. Do you deal often with guys that don't realise they have a problem? Yeah. So we've because we have that mix of um, one of my other roles is working in prisons as well. So it depends wow. on where they are in their change journey. Some guys are really annoyed about the consequences of what they've done but aren't really connecting to, I did that and that's kind of what's happening. Mm. And there's a whole heap of stuff that... Um, people that use violence do to kind of make that other people's problems. Yeah. So if you talk to people who are using violence, sometimes they often sound like they're the victim because they'll tell you about all the stuff, but they won't tell you what they did. Yes. And that's where the work that we do comes in, in that we kind of go, I want to know what you did and how we changed that part. I don't want to know how you justify it, how you minimise it, how you blame other yep. people for it. I want to know you and the choices you make and how we can change those. So that's the work that I do in the wow. perpetrator space. That's incredible. Incredible, isn't it? That's a, such an important role that you have. During COVID, you said there was an increase in, in the men reporting themselves? Yeah, so there was both an increase in the men reporting themselves and for women who were experiencing it. So we know, we call it the shadow pandemic. So COVID is our main pandemic, but the shadow pandemic is the increase of family violence and the resulting yeah. mental health and all of that sort of mm. stuff that goes along. So I work in both spaces, both perpetrator and victim spaces, and you couldn't do one without the other. I started in victim spaces yep. and to hear their stories and to really understand the risks and the stuff that they went through meant that when I speak to men about their choices, I've got their voices in my head because that's who I'm working for essentially. If I change men's choices around the use of their behavior, I make women and children safer and we yep. stop the cycle continuing. Absolutely. Mm. So I know every case is different and et cetera, et cetera, but are we talking to, to change the behaviour of a, a guy who's been using violence? Are we talking weeks, months, years? What are we talking? Yeah, so if it depends on where guys are up to in their realisation points. You know, some guys that we have in the group, we have guys anywhere from 18 all the way through to 60s, 70s, um, who may have been using this behaviour all their lives. Mm. And there's a lot of things that kind of let this behaviour go. And some of it is um, kind of the cultures that, that some guys hang around. So I know that like in sporting clubs, especially yeah. old school, there was a lot of kind of boys club mentality, that sort of stuff. No, it's, allows. Still in, it's still in parliament now, isn't it? There's well, a bit right. of that happening at the moment. Very much so. And I could mm. rant for hours on that stuff. So if we do get back to that, very keen because um, that's what it's looking at Christian Porter and actually looking at some of his values and the ways in which he sees women and some of that um, he's got some ideas about what we call rigid gender roles what women do what men do and the consequences for women if they move out of the expectation of those if we can we'll come back to Christian Porter later because we did talk about that earlier today and I'd love to hear your views mm. on like the whole fiasco but yeah. that tends to be the problem doesn't it Abby? I think you just summed it up there by saying a lot of men think that those roles that we had yesteryear in the old days are still valid today when we obviously know that they're not yeah 
And so, and if you think about anyone moving out of those roles in which mainstream think this is what you should do and this is how you should act, even for our LGBTIQ community, like two guys together, if that's pushing people's boundaries, that's when we get violence and that's what it looks like inside a relationship as well. Yeah, okay. Right. I would like to talk more about this. Should we play a song, come back to it? Play a song, come back. Okay. It's a kind of magic. That's Queen with a kind of magic, one of my favourites. And you uh, love your Queen, don't you? Oh, I do love I my Queen. I think every episode we've had so far, you've picked a Queen. Song I have, and I'm sitting down one out to Dave Bade because I know how much of a Queen fan he is. He loves him too. He does love him. Yeah, probably wearing that jacket while he used to listen to him. The yellow jacket. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's iconic, isn't it? Yeah. Like that's I've watched that Wembley concert. Yeah. In the yellow jacket and stuff. Watched it a thousand times. The energy. And, and I didn't realise that it was only so short. Their gig. It was only like fourteen minutes or something. And no, 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 not that one. So you're thinking oh, of Live Aid. Yes, so I was. They yes. came back the year after and they did, did another one. They did two shows at Wembley. Okay. And that's the one where we saw in the yellow jacket. Yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah, that's, it, that was a full concert. The first performance was, well, people have said it's the best gig it ever. Is, yeah. Even though it only went for 14 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So it just goes to show you how good they were. We're still joined by uh, Abby Newman, uh, guru, gun, fantastic person. And uh, and very very accomplished. I'm hugely, finding out. Hugely I'm, I've known you for a few years now, Abby, and I didn't know that all these things that you do, this wonderful work that you do. We we're just talking off air about how during the COVID period, uh, anyone with any underlying problems or mental issues or, or, or any issues like you would have encountered, it really aggravated them and really exposed them. And I know the law courts have had more divorces than they've ever had uh, for the last year, but everyone was stuck together. And obviously with, with people reporting as well, that's gone up during COVID. So how did you guys cope with all that? Well, I think the family violence industry saw a really weird progression in that as soon as when the lockdowns first hit, we saw a complete drop in actual calls into services. But what we did see was a really big spike in people searching family violence online. So we kind of started to understand that people were really shut in and they couldn't actually they couldn't call. even get away to make the call. No. And so a family violence services had to get really creative. And I know that in my private practice, I got some really bizarre referrals. I'm in a small town outside. Geelong and I got some bizarre referrals from people that I knew who worked in Safeway and the reject shop to say this lady's here and she looks like she's struggling and could you come up and have a chat so I did my work actually walking up and down Safeway aisles and having a chat about family violence so what did you do you went in they weren't Mm. keeping them there they were just while they happened to be in they noticed something was wrong well, a, um, a couple of women were having sort of disclosures to check out chicks, yeah. sort wow. of saying, I'm struggling, I don't want to go home. Well, I suppose that would have been one of the few times you actually got out. And got away. Yeah, and got away. A safe space where you weren't being monitored. So we actually set up a lot of conversations walking up and down Safeway and talking about family violence and risk. And in some instance, we got the police in and, and that woman and her kids went straight to a, a high security refuge. Um, family violence services got really creative about being able to call during car during car rides and school yeah. pickups or um, anything where there was a safe space where you could actually have a phone call. But we had to get creative because you couldn't just ring in and say, hey, can I have a chat? Because yeah. you don't know how compromised any of that no. or those phone Who's lines listening? where he is. And it'd be such a big effort to be able to make that call or, mm, or to get in touch with the, the process to get to that point. Yep. And you don't want to spoil all that good work yep. by calling at the wrong time and potentially letting them know what's happening. Yeah, and the risk of violence actually kicking off after overhearing one of those phone yeah. calls mm, is, um, is quite massive. And, and I guess it's not just uh, physical either, is it? It's a lot of times a, a lot of battered people f- through just 
verbal yeah. and just being put down every day and told they're worthless and systematically do that so that you've got control of that person. Yeah, so um, what we see in the media at the moment is a push for states to criminalise something we call coercive control. And coercive control is everything else. It is all the attacks that people make on your finances, on your sense of self, on your emotions, on your, um, on your psychological health. And it's things like coercive control really works because in a relationship, I get to know you really well and I know what is the most important to you and your vulnerabilities mm. and all of your stories that you've shared. And then I can target that with my psychological abuse and my put downs and my emotional abuse. And for women who are mothers, the easiest thing to attack is kids and parenting. And what we also saw in the rise of family violence, we saw a rise of child abuse and calls into um, DHHS and child protection services. So that's really some of the shadow pandemics that we've been working with. And for victim survivors who have managed to pick up and get out of there, they have been so amazingly strong and innovative in the way that they've done that and pulled kids out and kept them safe. Women that I speak to have talked to me about standing in the firing line between an abusive husband to protect their children. And um, we often think of victims as people who cower and who are, um, you know, uh, who are silly or or get stuck in these relationships. Mm. But women are the ones who are navigating really violent men and keeping their children safe in the time being as well. So it's, um, and most of the women that I work with are sassy and funny and really sharp. And we often ask, why don't women leave? But what we really need to start asking is, why don't men stop? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And start putting the accountability on the people who are using the violence and not um, women who may be stuck financially, who may be stuck emotionally, the tactics and the promises that they get from their partners about I'm going to change and this will never happen again sound really real because mm. it's And often- you want to believe it, don't you? Because you want that person who's probably the father of your children to be that person that you thought they were. Yeah, because all relationships start off in a honeymoon stage mm. and that's the stage that you want. You want that guy back and the violence to stop, mm. not necessarily to get rid of your house and your shared dreams and mm. all your shared friends and the um, go into family courts. It's a big effort to start again. It is huge. It's huge, yeah. The other thing is that we often think is separation is the goal if you see someone an abusive relationship but the women are most likely to become fatalities or permanently disabled in the period planning or three months after separating so it is a really risky thing to leave if you don't do it safely getting some support and getting in touch with your family violence services and for anyone listening who is sort of going maybe this is me and maybe I am struggling in my relationship 1-800-RESPECT is a 24-hour call line that you can call in and get some advice and just have a chat about what your relationship looks like and whether or not you're safe and whether or not you've got options because there are a lot of options out there. They just seem a little bit hard to reach sometimes. And those options can obviously help you to go through that process. They can guide you in, in a way to do it safely. Yep. So. I've been binge watching a lot of Rake recently, right? Okay. <laughs> like, what? Rake, the TV show oh. Rake. And there's a lot of time in courtrooms. Now, I'm reliably informed that that's not what it's like to appear in court. Now, you, through your work, unfortunately, have been in court a number of times appearing for various things. Can you tell us a bit about that? 
Yeah, sure. I don't know what rake is, and no, I assume I that your either. TV shows are just after you bagged friends not long ago. Ain't that great? So um, <laughs> oh, I knew that was going to come back to haunt you, mate. And the Big Bang Theory. What? Anyway, for those of you who have good taste in TV, um, let me explain what being in a courtroom is like. So what I do is I go into court. Um, I interview victim survivors about their experience, and I put together a report for court to sort of talk about what type of violence has occurred and the effects that it's had on on victim survivors. So my job is to be able to explain to a court um, why it is that victim survivors might have acted in certain ways and what the behaviour that they're seeing, how it works and what it means, and also talk about why um, the perpetrator might be using those different types of violence and, and how they're actually getting away with that. So I get it, get sworn in. Um, yep. But first of all, they try and discredit me uh, so that I can't is, be is sworn in. Is that before you're sworn in? While I'm in the witness box. So. But, but you're, a, you're a brought in as an expert witness, aren't you? So why would they try and discredit you? The other side. The other side. Yeah, I understand it's yep. the other side, not your side. But what, if you're an expert witness and you know your stuff and you've worked in that field, what, why would they try and discredit you? So they can try and discredit me for a whole heap of reasons, but mainly so that I don't bring forth an expert opinion on this is family violence. Your party has been perpetrating family violence and here are the effects. Um, so this might work in the family court around um, parenting arrangements. It might also work in intervention orders where um, someone's arguing they shouldn't be an intervention order in place and I'm there to talk about the victim survivor and her experience. So they might not want me in there at all. Mm. Barristers um, have a range of different techniques. So I'm not sure what rake looks like, but I'm assuming I've seen lots of barristers. When he said that, I just assumed he was sitting in the garden shed looking at a rake. I'm still not sure that's not the case. Do do yourselves a favour. It's great TV. It's beautifully written. It's crafted. It's it's Australian. Yeah, it's about it's six friends drunk. sharing apartments in New York. Is it a drunken lawyer? Is yes. that the, Oh, okay, right. Yeah. yeah, well, that's not far off the truth sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are a little red in the face and you're not quite sure if the AC's up too high or be, they've had a big night. It must be really tough to, to be there trying to offer your expert opinion in a field such as this and trying to be discredited. Yeah, it is really tough and that is um, all a part of the process and deep breaths are required because I just remember that I am there for the victim survivor and most of the time she has children and if I can't get my point across, Mm. then they don't have that voice. That's a lot of pressure on you. That's what I thought. I thought it seems strange to me they're trying to discredit you personally instead of trying to discredit what you're saying or the evidence that they're trying to actually go at you. Yeah, they'll do both. So they'll try and break, um, say that I'm not qualified enough to be speaking, and then they'll go at the evidence that I have provided and talk about the ways in which I've collected it, the tools that I've used, um, the opinions that I've come to. Uh, so it is really tough. Um, there, there's a bit of skill to, to being on um, being on a witness box, and I've had some really great mentors in mm. my time. So they've um, really been able to help me to calm down and to make sure that I'm actually listening to what people are saying because that's often what gets a bit flurried is that you might get three or four questions thrown at you really quickly. And designed to do that, Mm. designed to take you off course. Yeah. So if you give me three or four questions, I'll pick the one I want to answer and answer that. And the old legal thing where they go, I'll put it to you that, because that's a really sort of loaded way to ask a question because you're asking for someone's opinion on something. You're not asking, Mm. yeah, it's it's, it's a very open sort of design to get someone in trouble. Now... Listen, I hate to cut you off because it's fascinating stuff, but talking of people being discredited in a public oh, forum. Oh, we're up to number three, are we? <laughs> yes, come yeah, on. I'm starting to feel sorry for you now. 
I really well, what are you going to do about that? No, nothing. I'm going to keep going through with what I was going to play. But yep, get on with it. You want to hear it? Yep. You've had the pleasure of working with Tim for some time now. Well, nobody really works with Tim. You just work. You know, he's a pretty lazy bastard. He doesn't do much? No, he does bugger all. He yeah. spends a lot of time in the women's toilet, though. It's almost unnatural. What's he doing in there, mate? Well, I reckon he's a chronic masturbator. Truth be told. Have you got the fluorescent light in there? Uh, no, no, no fluorescent lights in there. It's not safe. And uh, does he do much around the place? Uh, well, he eats a lot. Yeah, but I mean work-wise, does no, he do much? not at all. Not at all. Just in the kitchen, eating all the time, in the ladies' toilet, shitting all the time. So who picks up the slack? Well, I do. I'm a workaholic. We have to be with Tim around now. Exactly right. He's worth to the company. It'd be hard to put such a low figure on it. On a daily basis, we're just constantly running around after him, fixing his fuck-ups. Does it get tiring after a while, mate? It's exhausting. We're just not here to babysit Tim. Well, I'm sorry you have to put up with him, mate. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to say, Tim. All these people coming out against you now. Yeah, it's like they're coming out of the woodwork, isn't it, with their yeah. own free will to, to discredit me. What did you offer Mick to do that? No, uh, it didn't take much. No? Yeah, coffee and a donut. Yeah. He, he was mine. Yeah. What do you want me to say? No, I don't know. This is terrible. Abby, what do you think about this? There is an element of psychological abuse going on, but it does sound like you don't do a lot. It does, yeah. And look, the psychological abuse is there. It's there by design. But yeah, he doesn't do much, mate. And he thinks he's the busiest bloke ever. That's the thing. He's always like, oh, I'm too busy, mate. I'll, I'll try and catch up with Sabo. Does nothing. Now, back on just more serious topics. Yes. Hopefully more serious. Now, if you were suspicious or you had a friend that perhaps that you had some of these feelings about and think they might need help, even though they might not be asking for it, like the lady at the supermarket, they mm. rang you, uh, what can some a friend or a colleague or a family member do in that situation where the person themselves might not have made a complaint yet, uh, but you just know something's not right? Is there a way that they could get to that person and just make sure they're okay? Yeah, that's actually a really great question. It's what I get asked a lot. Um, so it's about if you're starting to worry about a friend or family member, you can just ask, is everything okay? Um, are you safe at home? Are you feeling okay in your relationships? So keep it simple. You don't have to be a counsellor, but if they say, actually, I'm not okay and I'm not feeling safe, um, the first and most important step to responding to that is just saying, I believe you and I'm here from, for, for you. Because for victim survivors, it's one of the most terrifying steps forward is, is anyone going to believe me? Mm -hmm. So you're not an investigator. You don't have to prove anything, but you can say I'm here for you and I've got some numbers. So again, 1-800-RESPECT is a 24-7. And if you are um, talking to a mate who you kind of see some behaviour and you're like, actually, that wasn't cool. Maybe you need to give someone a call. How are you going at home and, and what's going on for you? Men's Referral Service is our Victorian service um, and they are a nine till nine service. Mm -hmm. um, really good just to be under, it's not about dobbing yourself in or having to do anything um, above and beyond, but it is about going, what could I do? Um, because I don't want to lose my family. Mm. And we should all be always looking to better ourselves, shouldn't we? And get those things right, especially when it's affecting other people like that. Yeah. I have a lot of guys in my group who are terrified to come to group and all talk about feeling terrified, but at the end of group kind of say, I reckon I needed this and I think lots of guys could actually use this. Um, just a bit of thinking about the way you process your thoughts and the way that um, you are actually behaving because sometimes people haven't felt okay to say that's not cool and you're being a bit of a dick. Yeah, and, and you know, we're all a dick at some stage. The fact that you can look at yourself and go, yeah, you're being a dick, stop it. 
is what separates us, I think. We should be able to do that. So I, I suppose, the, is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the old adage would be true that admitting, for, for a lot of men, admitting you have a problem with some of these things is the biggest step. Yep. Is once they make that step, then that's you know a huge percentage of of the distance of getting that fixed, perhaps. Yeah, and it's you know if we think about what we ask guys to do in talking to us about their behaviour, if you guys think at the moment, if I asked you to think about the worst thing that you've ever done and that you've never told anyone, and if you get that story in your mind, and then I'll ask one of you to tell me what that is. Okay, are we going to do this now? Well, I'm doing the worst thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> right now, I'm show you. I can't you think of anything can. off the top of my head. Could I have some thinking music? I've, <laughs> no. got, I've got so many to choose from. No, look, I, I, you know, there's always things when you're younger. Mm. And, and yeah. I know myself, I've grown a lot um, from when I was 18, 19, 20, the attitudes that I had. I grew up in footy clubs and that sort of place. And I thought I was cool and I was one of them. And I've slowly but surely realised I was being a dick. Yeah. If I pause you there to go, I'm not going to ask either of you because that would be a horrendous thing to do um, being taped. But think about what it is that you did to that story when I said, I'm going to ask one of you. Because you went, oh, okay, that was yeah. like well back and I knew that I was being a dick. And also there was footy club stuff. So I kind of pushed. I, I almost gave myself an excuse, didn't I, to mm. get away with it. Yeah. But I, actually, I didn't have a story in mind. I just knew I used to do a lot of stupid shit when I was younger. Mm. Yeah. But um, we should all be always be growing and, and looking to better ourselves. And I think we'll go to a song right now. Now, this one uh, is a, a recent song. We don't play a lot of recent songs. This one's in the last year or two, Tim. It's called Righteous. You're very hip. I will. Okay, that was Juice World there with Righteous. I do feel a little bit hip just playing something for the last two years. You, you're in touch. Well, the kids play me a lot of songs because I try and understand their culture and their genre, right? <laughs> Uh, even though they're little and they don't understand music yet. Yeah. I try, Tim. I don't yeah. want to be like my old man saying, oh, I'm sick of that Nirvana shit. It's never going to get yeah, there. Yeah. They'll never do anything. I thought, no, I'm going to try. And I reckon out of all the stuff they play me, there's about three songs that I like. Yeah, well, Geordie was certainly across music last week when he described your playing guitar as <laughs> oh. being out of tune. Your singing is wrenchy. everything they all said, that's what hurt the most. I, I, yeah. I thought it would. Yeah, that really got to me. <laughs> now, Abby, we're back here with you. We were talking before about a, a certain topic that we're going to go on with. Where are we at with Hello. Christian Porter? Where are we at with him? Yes. Who's the Federal Attorney General. And so it's been a big week for victim survivors and for anyone, one in four women who have been assaulted, listening to all of the things that have gone on. Again, keep yourself safe. And if you're not in a space to listen to this now, um, don't. And keep yourself safe and, and use a trauma filter and, and just um, look after yourself through all of this. Because I know that this has enraged me beyond anything I could. I listened to the Christian Porter press release and then I couldn't stop ranting for about three or four days. So what made you so angry hearing that? So a lot of the stuff that we talked to the guys in group about, about be becoming aware of, Christian Porter did everything that we would actually challenge as facilitators in a group um, from a person who's using violence. So Christian Porter threw a bit of shade on his victim's mental health, sort of got us to question that. He actually asked the question, imagine for a second that this isn't true. So he asked the nation to, to do what we call collude with him. Come on board with my story. No one gets up and goes, yeah, actually, sorry guys, I did um, rape someone. Uh, apologies for that. 
He had a very selective memory about the memories that he could remember. And I don't understand. Sorry, can I stop you? So you gave us a couple of examples off air because when you actually describe it, it really brings a point home. Can you describe what he could and could not remember? Yeah. So when it came to discussions about when and where he had um, had interactions with this young woman, he was all vague about that, except for the one example where he could remember her teaching him and the friends how to use an iron. Had iron an a shirt, iron shirt. wasn't it? Yeah. I don't understand what it is with politicians and putting women and ironing together. And I have accomplished a lot in my life. And I, when I moved out of home, I just bought clothes I didn't have to iron. And I only bought an iron this year during COVID because clothes come crinkly out of your online deliveries. <laughs> and I feel really bad. But one of my realizations is I don't know how to iron. I thought I did, but I actually just covered a garment in water, which was really upsetting because I feel like I have a lot of accomplishments, but I don't know how to use an well, iron. Little tip for you, the dryer. I've never ironed in my life, but the dryer does the same thing. Oh, well, thank you. That is a really handy tip. Two animals. No, I can teach you how to iron. No, I don't want to learn. Hey? I don't want to learn. you got to know how to do it. It's, it's a dryer. You put it in, 10 minutes, good to go. The key is if you really want to iron something, well, you put it in the dryer, bring it halfway through, so it's still sort of warm and damp, and then iron it, and it comes up a treat. Hang on, we've got off topic here. We were going to so. Well, all of us could ask Christian Porter for some tips yes. because well, that is the memory. He knows, that he he knows, knows how to do it now. He's been 100%. shown. And if we think about how do you actually identify someone that does fall into that category that has a high probability of using violence and especially sexual violence, then we look for a few things that Christian Porter represents very well. Entitlement. So he was told from a very young age, you were going to be the prime minister. Mm. Privilege, um, going to elite schools and getting access to really high privileged education. Rigid gender roles, his opinion on women. He was quoted in a Four Corners report to say, are female lawyers just better dressed prostitutes? So we have a pretty good what? understanding about how, where he sees women as possibly his equals or not. He didn't say that. He definitely said that. A Four Corners report actually opened a lot of history on his history and relationships and opinions of women. So we know rigid gender roles and some violent supporting attitudes is something that he holds. And the last thing that we need is power and the ability to exploit it and the ability to lose it if anyone actually got a voice against him. So he holds those cards of what you would look for in someone that uses violence or would you use sexual violence in particular? So you've recognised these traits. Now we can't say for sure what happened. We can't go out and say he did or he didn't. Let's get that clear. But you recognise there's certain traits, certain phrases, certain ways of saying things that you are familiar with. Very much so. And so he falls into that risk category of someone that you would go, we need to look a little bit more closely and ask some more questions. And it is really hard to have this conversation about you know, what is your behaviour like? What's happening here? It sounds like that a few people, including the former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, had some conversations about his behaviour, but it's really difficult to them. What do you do? Even the reports from um, a woman who was raped in Parliament, what do you do? And a lot of people went, this is the too hard basket and I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. Mm. And that's the problem, isn't it? Because then nothing happens, there's no justice and they're free to do it again. Mm -hmm. And that really represents what we see in court. So we know that only 30% of sexual assaults go to the police. Of those 30%, only 15% get into the court and 2% have outcomes. Wow, that's a very disgusting, small. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And that's going on in our neighbourhoods. Every day. But we're glad we've got people like you out there helping. Absolutely. And hopefully one day we don't have to have these discussions. This has been fantastic. Let's play a song. Okay. We'll come back. Ah. 
Guest, our superstar, Abby Newman. Abby, I just want to say before you go, you are doing an amazing job. <laughs> are you okay? You must deal with a lot of mm. stuff and you probably think, well, I see it every day, I'm getting used to it, but it must add up on you and start to weigh you down. Does anyone check on you? Yes, we definitely have uh, supervision. So we have people who we check in on a regular basis and I've got some amazing mentors in the field that check in with me on a regular. So um, well supported in this work and Fantastic. that's why I've been here for a 17, 18 years now in this field. Wow. Excellent, mate. And yeah. you've got your business. Do you want to give that a little plug? Yeah, so I normally get referrals through specialist family violence services, but if people need to, um, my business is there. Or if you're going into court and you're sort of feeling like you don't have the language behind you and you need some extra support, then give me a call and we'll try and triage and, and figure out how we can put in place some support. Or for workers in the field, if you need some supervision um, and someone to debrief with, give me a call. Excellent. And that's Abby Newman, family violence specialist. Yes. And the number for anyone at home, if you wanted to quickly grab a pen, I've talked slowly so you've got time to do that, it's 0425 881 814. That's 0425 881 814. Thank you so much, Abby, for coming to see us. Before you go, would you like to learn a little bit more about Tim's mm. work ethic? I, I don't think there's going to be a huge... Uh, cups of tea, food... Um, and I think you've got the gist. Yeah, but yeah. we'll see if this, it might take a surprising turn. Well, this one did surprise me even because this is such a nice guy that we're about to talk to. And I thought, you know what, he won't even say. I know who it is already, team. I reckon. And by the way, all criticism is self-criticism. Just remember that. <laughs> Play it. All right, here's number four. Excuse me, mate. Uh, so you work with Tim for how long? Well, I've never seen him work. Well, like he spends a lot of time on Facebook, but apart from that, I've never seen him do an honest day's work in his life. And do you think this place could continue without him? Oh, yeah. We like listening to his jokes, and we make a lot of fun of him. If, who would we hang shit on? So you always got to have that lowest common denominator, don't you? Correct, mate. He Come spends on. a hell of a lot of time on the dunny. I don't know what he does in there, but... Is that the female toilets he goes to? Yeah, yeah. I think he could poo for Australia if he had to, as well yeah. as eat for Australia, might it? But if he can't do them at the same time, it'd be... Oh, I think he stores a lot of that shit in his head. That's what <laughs> makes it so big. He's got hydrocephalus apparently. <laughs> what can people at home know about Tim and his work ethic? You two can do nothing and get paid well. That's what I'd say. So yeah, keep aiming for mediocrity and you'll you'll achieve it. And that's what Tim's done. He's underwhelming in his work performance. So uh, uh, what you're saying is he, he does little and uh, gets paid a lot. Yeah, useless flog. Wow. <laughs> Controversial opinion uh, there. Useless uh, uh, flog. <laughs> I've got some. I've got some frank and open conversations to have with some people when I get back to work tomorrow. I wish I was a fly on the wall, Tim. Oh dear! Yeah, they've man. been very excited for you to hear that too. Don't worry. <laughs> so uh, we've covered that now. We don't need to do any more pranks on each other. Can we say that I win? No, no. Two on? one. Two one. Oh, it's just two yeah, one. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, I'm a little bit nervous now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as you should be. More than I could chew. Now we've got a couple of little things before we say goodbye. And one of those is our regular feature. We we, hang on, we officially say goodbye to Abby. Oh, we haven't, have we? No, Abby, oh. thank you very much <laughs> Sorry, for coming Abby. in. No <laughs> Happy International Women's Day. Thank you very much. Yes, you too. And look, I've got to say, it was uh, wonderful to have you talk on such, a, such what, an important what, what topic. What an ideal day for you to come in. Mm. Yeah. And, and that was just pure luck, just like our first episode was Hug a Ginger Day. That's wow. right. So God's smiling on us here at the moment. We're obviously doing great work in the community to our three listeners. That's yeah, it. well, yeah. just 
cheers to the three listeners. The slogan today is choose to challenge, hashtag choose to challenge. So challenge your mates if you see bad behaviour and ask your friends if they're okay if you see some signs that they're not coping so well. Yeah, and fellas out there, you're not a good mate if you just let it slide either. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you look yep. after your mates. That's it. All right, now we, oh, sorry, bye, Abby. Thank you for <laughs> having me. I keep trying to go to the next thing and I'm so hungover. I can't wait to get to bed. Yep. All right, here we go. Ozzy's in Hollywood jingle. We play the jingle? No, no, no. We'll have the song first. Oh, yeah, I've mucked up even more, haven't I? Take me to bed or lose me forever. How about the back of my Tirana? Aussies in Hollywood. All right, so it's that time of the week that we actually get a bit of a spike in our ratings is when everyone tunes in. Yeah, it's crazy. Like they'll just be turning over from uh, Married at First Sight going, hey, Aussies in Hollywood is on. That's right. Yeah. So this is the segment where we take a uh, iconic line or scene out of a movie and we rewrite it as if it was written by degenerate Australians such as Luke and I. And this week, mate, we have a, a classic scene out of Lord of the Rings and this is the scene where they need someone to take the ring to Mount Doom. This is one of my favourites. The ring cannot be destroyed by any craft that we here possess. It must be taken deep into Mordor and cast back into the fiery chasm from whence it came. One of you must do this. Sorry to interrupt, but Gandalf, didn't you arrive here on a big fuck off eagle? Get him back. We'll just fly over Mount Doom, drop it in, all over Red Rover. 20 minutes it'll take. Home in time for tea. Rightio, that's done. What's next on the agenda? Ah, uh, comedy gold there, Tim. Comedy it's, gold. It's funny because we go through making them and, and getting them, and I have this anticipation it's going to be the funniest thing I've ever heard, and yeah. it's just not. No, no, people are ringing in about it, mate. They reckon it's great. Yeah. My phone's just on. Yeah, I've got smoke coming out of it. People coming up to me in Hall's Gap going, what movie are you going to do this week? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's been a, I won't say it's a great show because I've been a little bit lethargic. I apologise for that, Tim. My brain hasn't been working properly today. I need a good night's sleep. No, you do. You need more than a good one night's sleep. You need a good week's sleep. <laughs> We've had a great guest, at least. Abby made up for my lethargicness. See, I can't even say a word. Le- lethargy. Th- that's lethargy? Yes. Is that what it is? Yes. Okay. She has made up for my inadequacies by having, bringing some sort of... Um, no, yeah. it's gone. <laughs> You're gone. I'd like to thank Abby for coming in. I'd like to thank Associate <laughs> Professor Dave Bade. I'd like to thank Luke for turning up, sort of half turning, <laughs> half turning up. Yeah. up. Uh, thanks for Voice of Heaven for having us again. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. System shut down.